Recorded live. Welcome to the Golden Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Everybody, this is uh, Dave AC, but it's not Dave AC on his own. He's got uh, a couple of other people in the room. Uh, one you know uh, from our Colton Collective commentaries, and that is Mr. Mike Randolph. Hi, Mike. Hello, Dave. But we're here actually to greet the w- one, the great, the only, Mr. Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Big round of applause! Hey. Hello, Fox at World. Hello, Fox at World. And in that order. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hello. Hello. All right, I'm gone now. <laughs> That's yes, enough. That's all you get. We're doing a, an impromptu studio show on Torture, and those people who come into the room, you may well be muted uh, for this. We did try and uh, do a studio recording on Skype. Skype's being... Uh, Skype uh, had an update. It's giving us problems with recording, so we've uh, reconvened on Torchew, and uh, we're here to uh, just uh, welcome Ian back into the fold, as it were, of the Colton Collective, and to uh, find, first of all, how his uh, Christmas went, and then we're going to grill him, Mike and myself are going to grill him on uh, all those goodies that he missed over the last uh, ooh, two months, really. Yeah. So, goody, goody, yum, yum, yum. yum. <laughs> So, uh, personal details, can you give us anything that you'll personally share with us? Yeah, uh... I've got a Blu-ray player now. (laughs) And my mummy and daddy got me a a radio control helicopter for Christmas. And then they got my my son one as well, so now we can can fly our helicopters together. It's really cool. Um, I'll have to get the details from the company, but... uh, so listen out for all you helicopter people out there, because it may be you. But uh, when they, I guess when they shipped them to my parents, uh, they shipped us. Of course, they had ordered two helicopters, and so they sent them two different frequency helicopters. Now this may be, you know, the usual run-of-the-mill thing for them, but I thought that was rather clever. And they sent us two different colored ones as well. So I've got a nice uh, black and gold one, and Liam's got a red and gold one. Oh right! They're, they're so, exact, yeah, they're exactly great. the same model as as, as one that uh, they had bought from him for uh, from I think they when they were in Hong Kong, but Liam flew it into a ceiling fan and uh, it's in the repair bay for quite a long time. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time with my parents. Uh, thank you all for putting up with Dave while I was gone. I mean, uh, for <laughs> doing without me. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I have been listening. Uh, noticed all the uh, deliberate mistakes by Dave. Uh, emissions of the typing monkey, and uh, especially the typing part of the, no, the monkey part of the typing monkey. We had new <laughs> typing monkey in for a while. Yes, uh, but yeah, uh, had a great time. Um, missed being on the show, even though I was having fun with my parents. Um, 
and uh, spending time with them. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, my parents uh, live there, and uh, I hadn't seen them in about four years. And it's you know cost prohibitive going back and forth to New Zealand for little quick trips. So uh, they managed to stay over here for about two months and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, and did I mention I got a Blu-ray player? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and as part of that present, that was from my wife and my parents, uh, my wife's big portion of the present was the Back to the Future 25th Anniversary Edition uh, Blu-ray disc set. Oh, and I, I uh, a little birdie told me something about a Farscape uh, box set. Oh, yes, I also got every episode of Farscape apart from Peacekeeper Wars, which is okay, because I can come later. I can get that later. But every episode on DVD of Farscape. It's awesome. And I'm only in uh, season one right now. Just fin- I think I just finished season one. And it was great, because I used to watch it religiously, and then I missed bits and pieces here and there. And then it was every now and then, and then it was whenever there was a marathon on. Um... And so I managed to watch probably the last like three or four years of it, and uh, out, out completely out of sequence. Uh, so it's going to be great to be able to sit there and go through it episode by episode by episode. Uh, and it, I think every, uh, each disc contains about four episodes, uh, and I think at least two episodes have a commentary track uh, with a cast member and um, a cast member or two or uh, production. Crew, so it's great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to then, you know, going back to the beginning and and listening to to, to all the commentaries as well. Now, so, I uh, feel I feel a mention of G.G. Edgley is no a mention of G.G. Edgley might be appropriate here. Yes, um, actually, the uh, last couple of episodes that uh, I just got done watching was her introduction into the series. So it's great to see uh, it's great to see Chiana. Uh, and, and him and Ben and uh, Crichton calling her Pip for the first time, and her going, "What? She's my favorite traveling companion." Uh, so yeah, it's it's great to see all those things kind of fall in place. And the funny thing is, is some of the episodes I remember seeing, I thought were much later on in the series, because they seemed so um, well done uh, and so cohesive. And it turns out it was all in the first first season, so. Uh, it it's great. So I I I I smell a Farscape show coming up <laughs> sometime <laughs> in the near future. As soon as I'm done with the box set. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And uh, so um, I mean, j- just as an aside, uh, uh, I've got a, a PlayStation Three, which obviously works as a, um, a Blu-ray player as well. Uh, my daughter bought me um, South Pacific, I think, not South Pacific. Yeah, the uh, the one by. Uh, Tom Hanks, the people who did um, um, the uh, Band of Brothers, and I think it's called mm. South Pacific box set, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, what else did I get? I didn't get the Blu-ray, but I got the DVD set of uh, Smallville 8. Uh, and got all... Well, this, uh, 9 has just come out, but I got 8, and uh, I'll get 9 hopefully soon. Um, and, of course, I think 10 is just finishing in the States. But... Um, we, we've oh, oh, got oh, 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 I've got some, I've got some news yeah. based on Smallville. If you've got a typing monkey handy. Oh, 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 oh! I have indeed. Oh, oh! 
Go type in Monkey Go. Yay! Okay, uh, coming up, um, oh, uh, the, they're teasing uh, the final uh, series of, of, of Smallville. Uh, and they have a poster. If you, if you, I basically put in Smallville poster and found it. Uh, the place I'm looking at right now is on aceshowbiz.com. Uh, but they have uh, a poster for the final series, uh, final season series, depending on which way you look at it, with uh, Tom Welling standing there in just regular dress, but standing on the Superman uh, symbol. And the reflection of it, his reflection in the bottom part, is uh, of the cape and tights and red boots. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is uh, this is Small, Smallville, the final season, Fridays, 8, 7 Central, on the CW. So, yes, uh, it'll be interesting news, and the fact is I've probably just uh, beaten Darth to that one, so... Uh, a severe flogging will be had by me, I'm sure, on the show, for breaking that one before he got to. <laughs> but yes, well, I... uh, so that's that's an interesting one because, uh, of course, there's always been talk as to whether we will ever see Tom Welling in in the costume. Um, so. Right. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Smallville. I mean, uh, uh, my wallpaper is actually a picture of the uh, lovely Lana Lang. Uh, AKA, that's, not being uh, a, that's not being a fan of Smallville. That's being a dirty old man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, if we're going to have news, quiet, then, Mike. Quiet. Yeah, yeah, shut up, Mike. Uh, there's lots of bits of uh, information. If you look at the, uh, uh, this is going back to dot two now on the Gallifrey News Base dot blogspot dot com. Um, I mean, hopefully, when we're we're going to uh, actually uh, interview Ian in a moment, uh, Mike myself, just to go across some of the, the shows that we've done on the Cult of the Collective in the last two months that Ian was unfortunately not able to make. Uh, but um, lots of great things. Um, Christmas Carol, 12.11 million viewers. Unbelievable. Um, and I think it was um, only eight of the Doctor episodes have ranked four or higher in the weekly charts, including Matt Smith's store, first story, The Eleventh Hour. Uh, this casting news, which I won't break, about um, what's coming up in um, the Doctor Who series six, but this is all on the Gall- uh, Doctor Who news page at gallifreynewsbase.blogspot.com. And um, oh, there's almost too much. Uh, we'll probably cover some of this on uh, there's some Torchwood uh, casting news as well there. Uh, Mike, anything you want to ask Ian about his uh, his enforced little retirement from the collective before we go back and look over past episodes well first of all there's a correction to something that you were mentioning Dave uh, the, the Tom Hanks movie that you were referring to was The Pacific South Pacific is a musical The Pacific it's, called, yeah. it's just the called Pacific. The Pacific yes well there you are it, you now know that you are on a cult and collective podcast because I've made a little mistake deliberate mistake of course he was yeah. making sure everybody was paying attention Make sure he was awake. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys. I mean, you you uh, you do a, a show for three hours fifty minutes, as one of ours was, and not make the odd tiny error. By it. Uh... Anyway, 
Um, so it's most welcome to have you back in. It's lovely to have your uh, lively voice on. Um, I hope that uh, whilst you're away, we at least kept the, uh, the, the yeah, 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 yeah. The, see what I get, see what I have to put up with. So let's go back. Let's go cast your minds back. Let's set the TARDIS controls way back to episode 67, is it? Doctor Who Top Ten Companions. Uh, that was tenth uh, of October. We, I, I think you were intending to make that, but for some reason didn't. And then from then on, it was a slippery slope. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, now I've got to cast my mind back because I have been listening while I've been gone. Uh, but of course, it's been a while since I listened to that one. Um, you know, of course, Perry Perry ranks up there. Ace ranks up there. Ace ranks up there for me. I mean, I know Darth's going to be going tut tut because it's like an incestuous relationship there, um, or pedophilia or whatever um, he thinks is wrong with that uh, relationship. Uh, but they always say, "Oh, yeah, this companion's great because she's you know free spirited and she's not afraid to t- tell the doctor what she thinks." They've said that about every companion. Um, but Ace was different. Ace to me, you know. They they kind of broke the mold on her. I mean, yeah, they kind of resorted to some of the similar, uh, you know, foibles, you know, tripping over, getting caught, whatever. But that's what happens with a companion. But she she was the first to kind of question the doctor. I think you know, full on, and she was a bit of her her, uh, her own person. Um, uh, so Perry, I just like for the obvious reasons, you know, um, she's my favorite doctor's companion. Uh, and I just happen to think she's very attractive and of course you know the the, the outfits help uh, for obvious reasons but I think you generally find that you you or most people do like the companion that you know is paired with their doctor especially considering Colin only had two in, in on TV so uh well, I, I, I yeah. think it's good that you've brought Ace up because, uh, really, the the current series of Doctor Who very much is in the mould, really, of Ace and mm. the Seventh Doctor, in as much as the the companion is a much uh, stronger part of the whole dynamic. Right. I mean, that was the thing I liked about the the uh, Sylvester McCoy's era is that that it was going somewhere. It, it wasn't just a day in day out. Uh, Taurus arrives, finds a scary monster, or somebody gets murdered, or whatever. They resolve by the end, and it's and it's done. It seemed to be developing. There was a relationship developing between the Doctor and companion. Uh, I mean, as much as I love Sarah Jane Smith, there wasn't that much development. She remained pretty much the same throughout. Uh, she never really kind of developed into anything until the Sarah Jane Adventures and now you see what she's turned into um, but you know they weren't really about character development back then so it's not really you know, their fault it's just that's the way TV was back then there wasn't a lot of this development stuff why do you need a character no just yeah. trip over you know um, but of course Sarah Jane rank, ranks up there and, and even more so now because of the Sarah Jane Adventures and the fact that uh I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Back when I used to watch uh, Elizabeth Sladen in, in Doctor Who, I thought she was quite nice looking. 
considering she was, I thought at the time, probably old enough to be my mum. And looking at her now and still thinking, gosh, she's a bit of a right, uh, that just says something about the woman and and also the character. You know, she, it's still believable uh, all these years later in what is uh, a new genre for the character. You know, we're basically into proper children's television now. I mean, you're down to the half hour episodes, two episodes a week, uh, with some very childlike themes. Uh, but more right. to that later when yeah. we discuss Sarah Jane. Um but yeah, those would be those would be my tops. Uh new series, uh nothing nothing and nobody uh beats Donna Noble. Uh, I I have uh mixed feelings about, about Donna as far as if if she continued on being the the, the companion would have been too much of a good thing. Um, maybe it was good that it was left where it was. Heartbreaking though it was. Um, fabulous, just fabulous companion. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about yeah, um, the um, uh, the male companions? Any male companion you'd pick out? Um, I was quite fond of Turlo because, again, you know, here is the show doing something a little bit different, where they actually had. A, a, a bad guy as a, as a companion. He wasn't there to be, you know, all nice to the doctor. But by the end, of course, he was. Um, but you know, Turlo had some a bit of dimension to him. Uh, and of course, uh, Rory. Love Rory. Rory's great. Mm. Amy Pond can go away as long as they keep Rory. Yeah, and Fraser Hines, of course. Uh, Jamie McCrimmon. Uh, can you remember Mike, Mike? Whoever, who else got featured as being a, a strong favourite with the collective? I I don't remember exactly, but I know that one of my favourite male companions has to be Ian Chesterton or Chesterfield or Chesterman or whatever his last name is. <laughs> Chester drawers. <laughs> Sometimes he was more of the more of a doctor character than William Hartnell was. <laughs> he's he's just he's one of my favourite male companions. Okay, well, we're not going to rehash the whole show. But, uh, no. I want to just uh, give Ian a, a chance to comment on and um, I'll go with the next one and then I'll uh, perhaps ask Mike if he wants to mention the one after that. But uh, then episode uh, 68, favourite sages, mentors and boffins. Now, um, that was a, a pretty... We, we had another <laughs> one of our little um, debates over, you know, what was a boffin you and, and what was a... You, you and Darth had another dust up, didn't you? <laughs> See what happens when I leave. Can't leave alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. I mean, um, in actual fact, uh, on the list that we used, which was from FSX 200 poll results, um, just to remind people, I think um, Rupert Giles came in as number one and Gandalf came in at three. Obi-Wan Kenobi came in at four. Um, uh, Dumbledore came in at nine. Uh, then uh, Dr. Robin McKay from Stargate Atlantis, 12. Bernard Quatermass, 15. Uh, Uther Pendragon, which I couldn't understand Uther Pendragon at 16. I would have thought it would have been uh, Gaius, you know, um, Merlin's right. um, teacher, not... Because Uther Pendragon really wasn't 
a mentor at all to him. I didn't think mm, that I have to agree with Darth on because I, I believe he pulled you up on that one. That Uther actually is, and we do tend to forget that, that just because they're not necessarily a good guy um, doesn't mean that they're not a mentor. Uh, the only reason why uh, Arthur knows how to fight uh, and how to lead is because of Uther. Uther is the one who's taught him to be the leader uh, and and taught him basically all of his combat skills. He gets that from his father. He knows how to be a king from his father. Merlin will teach him the rest. Um, and, of course, Merlin has been taught uh, by Gaius. So yeah. just because they're not necessarily a popular character or uh, somewhat a villain uh, does not exempt them from being a, a mentor or uh, a sage uh, in the same way that the, the dragon uh, has, has in a way mentored uh, Merlin but the dragon straddles that line of, of good guy, bad guy um, you can never quite tell what he's going to do I mean, when he gets released he, he outright attacks Camelot even though he knows that you know um uh, Merlin and Arthur are supposed to, you know, usher in this golden age. Um, he just goes off his rocker and, and, and goes at it, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that it still isn't. Um, it, it doesn't exclude him from from the mantle of of, of being a, a somewhat of a mentor, teaching right. him that that he has a a place and a destiny to fulfil. Um, uh, but yeah, my favourite at the moment has been Gaius. Uh, Gaius is is great, and uh, uh, the acting has got a lot to do with that. It's he, it's just so he just plays the part so well, um, and I'm quite fond of him as an actor. So um, the other one was contentious was that number four Obi Wan Kenobi. I think again right. that was um, some people thinking it should have been um, you know uh, it is you not uh, what's he talk the little the little guy Yoda Yoda. That Yoda may well really have been. Yoda's a sage, if you ask me. He's the one who just had these, you know, um, little. Uh, Which was part of the grouping, yeah. Right, but uh, more of a sage. He's got this, this, the one you go to for a little bit of advice, this little nugget of wisdom. Um, but no, um, and Obi Wan is a as a mentor. Uh, he's kind of effective in in Star Wars. Uh, uh, New Hope. Um, of course, he's only in it towards you know for a small amount, and then he gets killed. Um, but of course, you know in the the, the prequels, uh, you see a lot more of him. But then again, he's uh, fulfilling a a part of his uh, duties as a uh, a, a tutor uh, to, to the Padawans. So. No, it's a difficult one. I mean, yes, he is a mentor, but only because it's a part of it's a job requirement of the Jedi. So, Mike, Mike, can you remember any other ones that we uh, we dwelled on? Let me see if I can find my mute switch. There, I remember we talked a lot about uh, Rod. I don't know if we talked about it a lot. We spoke about uh, Roddy McKay from Stargate. We, and then uh, that went, went into discourse about, you know, the various Stargate franchises and if it, what characters there could be a a boffin from that. 
Right. That's what, they, that's what else I remember. The yeah, yeah. should have been the one from the film, you mean, instead. The guy from the film. Oh, yeah. Mm. Whose name I can't remember uh, at the moment. I don't know if you can call uh, Daniel Jackson uh, ah. uh, a boffin. A boffin. I mean, to me... To me, a boffin is more of a scientist, uh, denter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not necessarily a scholarly archaeologist. Uh, I mean, in in the movie, that's all he is. He is a person who reads hieroglyphics and, and comes up with theories about ancient Egypt. Um, Samantha Carter, on the other hand, there's a boffin for you. Uh, she engineered the whole dialing, or was basically headed up the group that engineered the dialing system for the Stargate when they had no DHD dial-home device for uh, those of you lay people out there. <laughs> um, and, of course, then Samantha Carter begets uh, uh, Rodney McKay because they needed, to, of course, an, an adversarial scientist to go up against her in an episode, and that's that's where we get Rodney. Rodney is good, uh, but Samantha Carter is is, is the better of the two. Uh, plus, she's a hell of a lot hotter. Uh, <laughs> well, sorry, well, not gonna uh, lie. <laughs> I, I think. Remember, there was another one that was because we're all into Doctor Who that uh, we all like, but he shouldn't really have been rated. But I'll play a little clip of him. You must be Malcolm. Oh, 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 I love you. Oh, I love you. I, I love you. To your station, Dr. Taylor. Yes, Doctor! You must be Malcolm. There you are. Uh, I think it started, it started to repeat. It's all right. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Chinese food repeats on me later on. Uh, <laughs> but you've uh, got to love Malcolm. Uh, I I just like that scene because, to me, it's that's uh, a Doctor Who fan right there. Whether it's a, a proper boffin or, or not, I mean, he's awfully boffin-like. Um, but I don't know if one one episode makes a particularly memorable boffin and he doesn't really do anything no. um, he just talks to the doctor uh, allows the doctor to, to come up with ideas and tell him what to do uh, but I do love that scene uh, because to me it's 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 Russell's uh, Russell coming up to the doctor and hugging him and saying I love you and it's what all, we'd all do it's what you do if you, if you manage to actually meet the doctor uh, in real right. life. I think there were two other ones that we better move on. One was the um, uh, the Guinan from Star Trek, whether she should have been in the list. And the other mm-hmm. one was um, uh, Alfred Pennyworth, Batman's uh, Batman, really. I mean, uh, we, we couldn't uh, couldn't really see why he should be. He was more a no. confidant than... Um, a sage mentor, a boffin, I think. Right, no, I mean, I don't think Alfred needs to be in there at all, and, uh... Um, Guinan? Guinan? Maybe a sage, 
on the outside. Uh, again, those little nuggets of advice plop down there in front to, to tantalize, but apart from that, not really. Because um, to me, a, a sage is, is, is one of those people who kind of shows up at the opportune moment and says something kind of cryptic, which pays off a little later. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I wish... I, I wish the relationship had been between uh, her and Picard had been explored a lot more, but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we ought to move on anyway. Um, yes. Now the next one, I'll let it, uh, uh, Mike mention it, but between uh, this one and the next one was the the interview, the brilliant interview that you did with uh, Paul Schoons. Hope people will uh, give that one a listen. Well deserved. Uh, interview with uh, his old mate from uh, New Zealand and uh, yes. parts of that got certainly uh, put on to the uh, Dot Who Podshock uh, episode that uh, something like number 230 or somewhere around there so um, right. do you want uh, to make any comments the, about that? Yeah, the, the entire interview uh, is on Podshock, it's spread over two episodes uh, but everything is pretty much in, everything's intact, I did check with Lewis uh, I wasn't sure whether he was going to use everything that I submitted to him, but he did. Um, and uh, thank you all for your kind comments on the interview. Both Paul and I were uh, a bit taken aback, really, uh, that we got so many uh, comments and compliments about it. Uh, as Dave said, uh, Paul and I go quite a ways back, and so it was quite easy just to sit there and talk to each other. Um uh, but yeah, we, we we appreciate everybody's enjoyment. Uh, it was fun for us to do. Um, and yeah, um, so that's all I've got to say about that. Just thank you to everybody who listened to it and enjoyed it. It was fun to do, and it was a joy for me to do because it's something that I enjoy about the DVD releases. I like the infotexts, and so to find out that a friend of mine was actually doing them and to be able to do the interview... Uh, made it all the better and stay tuned for uh, more interviews with Paul Schoons on um, other matters he has a book coming out and uh, also uh, we are going to talk to him about uh, finding a lost Doctor Who episode so stay tuned for those coming up in the new year yeah part two I was right part two of that interview was on episode 230 of Podshot Okay, Mike, do you, can you mention much about episode 69? Oh, my favorite number. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the topic for that episode? I've that completely was the, forgotten. from the mind of Terry, oh, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. The Terry Gilliam episode from Monty Python through the different movies that he's done. And I think he's got a, he recently announced that he's working on a new one, but I can't remember the title. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, I've I've yet to see the uh, what is it, the Imaginarium of Doctor Paranassus? Paranassus. Paranassus. Uh, yes, whatever. Um, I have not seen it yet, but I do do like his work. Um, it was one of the things that we that David and I kind of concocted uh, when we decided on Timber and we said, oh, who else can we do? Uh, I do, yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to say about from you know I I like Terry Gilliam stuff. <laughs> uh, anybody got any more direct questions? 
no, no, no. no. I, I, I think it's one of those that's um, it's such uh, well, it's such a convoluted mind, the, the man himself. But um, it's one of those things where you've got to be quite familiar with the the episode itself before you can sort of ask you to sort of on the spot uh, give a a sensible answer. <laughs> right. I know they evade you somewhat, but still. I mean, uh, I don't know if I've seen Jabberwocky. Uh, Time Bandits, I love. I love Time Bandits. I remember seeing that quite young. Um, being a little disturbed by the ending of it. Not going to give that away. Spoilers! Uh, but great movie. Great movie. Uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Love that too. Uh, Fisher King. It was a good movie. I've only seen it once. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. I've seen it numerous times. And it's just... It's kind of bizarre, but... Good... In, in that bizarre kind of way where you just kind of sit there and go, what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and of course, I love all of his, his, his animation stuff that he's done in, in Monty Python. Um, so yeah. All right. Okay, Next. well, let's move on. Yeah, we did a quick uh, cult and recap, which is a little bit similar to what we're doing now. But episode 70 was a history of horror. Let me just play uh, a little short 20-second clip um, just to remind you that it was based on the Mark Gatiss um, three-part horror series that he did. Absolutely brilliant to uh, watch, but here's just a little bit of him introducing it. In this series, I'm going to revisit the three greatest eras of horror pictures and explore what made their finest films so special. I'll venture onto the locations of unforgettable horror moments and invite leading actors, writers and directors to share their stories. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually I was, because I'm not really a big horror fan, uh, I actually really did enjoy watching that three-part series and I think the, 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 the... the, the middle one of the ones I enjoyed the most, which was dealing with the you know the Hammer Hor- House of Horror period of uh, science fiction, you know, with the Peter Cushing and uh, uh, and uh, what's the other one, uh, Christopher Lee. So, um, can you remember back to listening back to that one, Ian? Because you were actually... doing your own, you were doing your own House of Horror at the time, weren't you? Um, no, no, no. Uh... No, we didn't uh, get to do that this year. Er, earlier uh, in the year, we had uh, done a uh, Edgar Allan Poe evening uh, ah, at the park. Right. That's about the closest we got. Um, not a huge, huge horror fan. Uh, do remember watching a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies uh, growing up, just because they were funny more than um, horrific. Uh, the the one that image that's burned in my head. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, Nosferatu. Just the image, um, the imagery from that that I've seen in, in shows. Just it's just really scary. Uh, so that's probably one of the reasons why I've never watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think it's um, Max Shrek than that. Um, but yeah, not a huge horror fan. Um, so it was a, one of those. Oh, good! I, I I missed an episode. I didn't really. Right? Did you actually manage yeah. to get to see the documentary at all? No, I haven't. Um, I've actually uh, gotten behind on an awful lot of stuff uh, while my parents were here. Uh, because, uh, as I was telling Dave earlier, uh, before we started the show, I would uh, get off work and go pick up my my boys. Uh, uh, Callum, uh, for those of you who 
Hardware, um, our newest arrival. Uh, go pick him up from his grandma's and go pick Liam up from school and then straight around to my parents uh, for dinner and then come back sometime in the evening and, and basically off to bed. So um, I'm at a frantic dash to kind of catch up on an awful lot of stuff. There was uh, not a lot of time to um, keep up with things. So, uh, right. yeah. And Mike, can you remember much about, uh, just to refresh Ian's memory about that one? I, this is another one that I don't re- really remember that much on because, uh, you know, as the two of you are, I'm just not that much of a fan of the horror genre, be they movies or video games or whatever. And because of that, I, I, we talked a lot about the horror, the, the, the Hammer horror films. I remember that. Right. Beyond that, I don't remember too much. I do remember being actually more impressed with Mark Gatiss in terms of the you know the depth of his knowledge, you know about the first book he'd ever got as a young child was about um, you know horror films. But I mean, don't forget he was going through a real purple patch at the time. He was um, working with um, um, on Sherlock with uh, you know uh, the with oof, uh, oh, like me with. <laughs> With, the with Stephen Moffat. With Stephen Moffat, of course. He was doing a um, play that he'd adapted himself, uh, The First Men in the Moon. And he'd done this three-part series, so he was having a, a really uh, marvellous uh, segment on TV. And uh, I was most impressed. Um, uh, he, went, uh, he went to the place where Psycho was made. And um, he, he actually really had... Uh, an intent um, feel for it. So uh, even if you're not a horror fan, I would suggest uh, people that um, I want to know about a little bit about the background and the artistry and the, the craft that goes into it and some a little bit of the history of those great actors, you know, Peter Cushing and uh, and so on that were in those. Listen back to episode 70. So, um, But we'll move on then. Um, after the commentary armory of ghosts, episode 71, sci-fi music in film and TV. And just for Ian. The thing about that, I mean, I really enjoyed that episode because I was playing lots of little clips. But I mean, I, I do remember. I mean, the standout for me were things like the uh, the the soundtrack for Tripods and um, oh, um, uh, the Quantum Leap one and Sliders mm. and Highlander and uh, um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, the Buffy theme, of course. So uh, oh, and I should have played the Alf theme for you um, again. <laughs> Um, do you find that the music really is the the hook into a lot of uh, these TV series and films, Ian? Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, the one thing, actually, I think that got overlooked in that episode was that not necessarily the themes is that uh, the music within uh, some of, especially some of the TV shows, is actually rather good. Um, I actually have the Quantum Leap soundtrack, uh, and there's some stuff on there that's sung by Scott Bakula, and just some, just some lovely music all throughout that uh, series. And one of the disappointing things, and if you're listening, TV execs who think that they can just release a DVD set and sub out the music without getting the because they can't be bothered getting the rights, um, it's just not. It's just not on. It's just not kosher. It's just not right. If you're going to release the DVD set, at least get the rights for the music that you originally had when it was on TV. Uh, That's all I've got to say about that. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, the big ones, uh, music-wise, Star Wars, uh, Superman. I mean, uh, there are those themes that crop up... uh, like those that... the, the, The instant you hear them, uh, you you just know it's uh, oh it's, there's the Superman theme oh there's there's uh, Star Wars there's Star Trek uh, there's Doctor Who uh, there are those ones that are just kind of ingrained and no matter what you you just know them uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, Farscape I love the Farscape theme um, because it's it suits it so well. It's this other... The, for those of you who don't know Farscape, uh, John Crichton, uh, Earth uh, test pilot uh, for the space program, develops this module um, that he hopes to achieve great speeds with by slingshotting around the Earth. Um, ends up being catapulted you know, across you know, to the other side of the, the universe. And... To me, that's all reflected in the music, and plus, uh, in the intro, of course, there's John Crichton explaining things. It changes throughout the seasons, but it, it just fits in so nicely, and it's a great theme. Uh, so give that one a listen to. Uh, but yeah, moving on, I'm trying to be as brief as possible without gushing too much on, on certain subjects, uh, because we've got a lot to get through. Okay, Mike, is there anything that you want to mention from that one? Yeah, that would be um, basically all the incidental music from Doctor Who throughout the the run of the show, from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop through to today with uh, uh, Murray Gold Murray and the, the, the symphony that he, the symphony of Wells. Uh, just the incidental music through the decades on Doctor Who is definitely worth mentioning. Okay, well we we moved then on to episode seventy two, which was. Um, do sequels always come second? I mean, many great films, you know, they're so successful. They have a second movie, which fails. Of course, there are exceptions to that. Probably the, the biggest exception is um, uh, Godfather Part 2. Um, and, and just keeping on the theme of, a little bit with the TV and mu- music, uh, one of the best sequels, I thought, was the second in the Terminator one. So let's play a little bit of this, and I'll cut it off soon. Taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. 
Nation. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. I don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down! ...is to protect it. I'd better stop it there. I mean... Uh, Come with me again. if you want to live. That's the La Vista, baby. Starting off from that point, um, I have never seen the original Terminator movie all the way through. I may have caught the beginning of it and somewhere in the middle of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Um, that's the... I think the power of that second movie is you don't really... If you weren't around and didn't bother seeing the first one, you could actually do without it. You don't really need it, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I've managed to watch all the other subsequent ones, which, of course, were, weren't were as good as Terminator 2. Um, but I haven't found it necessary to go back to the original Terminator movie to, to, to see it. Well, all that you need to know is in that movie. Um, so... I think Terminator 2 is, is, of course, without having seen the first one, people are going to say, <laughs> well, how do you know until you've seen it? The thing is, I don't think I need to, because I know all I need to know. Um, it's all in there. And I think yeah. that's done on purpose. They they did that so you didn't really necessarily need to know, because it was quite a gap between the first and the second, correct? Uh, yes, about 10 years, I think, wasn't it, yeah. Mike? Um, I mean, what we did with this program, we, we actually did concentrate on the best of the sequels. You know, as I said, The Godfather Part Two, right. Empire Strikes Back, uh, Aliens. Although I'm, I'm not too sure that Aliens was better than Alien. Uh, uh, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, um, uh, the second of the Bourne ones, the second of the Bomb ones from Russia with Love. Um, just going with memory here, and of course uh, we. We cheated a little bit on the Lord of the Rings because uh, we took uh, Lord of the Rings, the Twin Towers, and Lord of the Ring: Return of the King, uh, basically as uh, although there are two sequels, the second one. Mike, any any thoughts just to remind Ian and myself? I was actually just going to mention the Lord of the Rings and how we dealt with that, and I, just it is a difficult there's one. There's something that go on. They were all designed to flow from one to the other. They're all part of a an overarching storyline that's already ingrained in history. So it's difficult to say uh, that one's better than the other because it's a it's a continue. It's one big long story. You could basically sit there and believe me, I have, uh, and watch all three back to back, and it just flows like one big long movie. If you took out the credit sequences in between, you could watch the whole thing. Uh, well, they, they did do this. Was it the second and third that were actually filmed at the same time, Mike? All three, all three of them, them were. were. All were, three? Right. Yes. Yeah. All three of them were filmed simultaneously. Wow. Or back uh, to back. I know they did, I mean, they did various things at various different times, of course, but they were all filmed in the same time frame. Right. Right. Uh, well, I, I I happen to think that that uh, Superman Two is actually a a better movie uh, as far as you're not bogged down by all the exposition of, of, of the original Superman movie. Uh, the, the the point at which 
you, know, you meet up with Lex Luthor and and uh, find out about Kryptonite and and him uh, succumbing to the Kryptonite, being freed and and and, rest and saving the day. I don't know. It's uh, I think two two is a is a, is a better movie. Uh, you know, here you've got real bad guys for Superman to go up against, not just Lex Luthor. Um, who unfortunately the, the 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 movies have never done justice uh, to the the uh, cartoons that I've seen have done a lot better job with with Lex Luthor and same with Smallville. Uh, movies have never been kind to him. Even the new one, Kevin Spacey was still playing just an idiot. Yeah, um, and I love Kevin Spacey. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I love Superman too. Uh, try and think mm. of other sequels. Uh, jog my memory here, Dave. <laughs> uh, well, 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 as I say, we actually concentrated on 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 the better ones. Uh, uh, we 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 really found that the exceptions were so powerful uh, that uh, when when the sequel uh, did surpass and eclipse uh, the main one, it absolutely took them off for the very reason that you've just stated because I think one of the failings for me of, of all the Batman films except perhaps the most recent one uh, Dark Knight is the fact that they keep rebooting the damn thing it, it's as though it never gets off the ground because it's right. always a reboot and right. um, I mean as far as as far as the, the most recent incarnation of that goes um, the sequel if you want to call it that um, is better because of of the Joker and because of um, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker, uh, it just knocks that whole thing up to another level. And uh, I mean, love Liam Neeson. My son's name is Liam. Don't tell my wife it's named after Liam. Ne he's named after Liam Neeson. Nope. Uh, as much as I love him, uh, I'm going to probably butcher this. Raja Ghoul is just not. On the same power as as the Joker in those mo in those movies, uh, it just doesn't have the the guts and the balls that that the second movie had. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I I think unless unless uh, Mike's got yeah, something well, to add, I think we should move on. Push on. We've still got quite a few episodes to get through. Right. Well, episode seventy three, Sarah Jane Adventures series four review. Here's a little clip. Thirteen Venom and Road is where Sarah Jane Smith lives. And it's home to things way beyond your imagination. There's an extraterrestrial supercomputer in the wall. Her son, a genetically engineered boy genius. A schoolgirl investigator across the road. And a whole universe of adventure. Right here on the doorstep. Ready? Always. Okay, a quick review, uh, rather than talk about listening back to the show, your thoughts right. on Series uh, 4? It was good. Um, a good, solid episode. Uh, um, Daniel Anthony and uh, Angie Mahindra uh, are really great in it. Uh, of course, you know, Tommy Knight isn't in it so much because he's at uni. Um, uh, it's... Uh, 
it's still good. I mean, it's good. It's very always very very difficult to review this show because it's a kids show, um, and so we have to constantly throw our minds into the fact that that's what we're watching. This isn't Doctor Who. That's a family show that we can kind of pick apart. Um, they still do a great job, and of course, uh, we start off with the Nightmare Man, which is very good, quite creepy, um, and of course our jumping off point for you know not seeing Luke for the till the until uh, somewhere midway through the the series. Uh, Vault of Secrets, quite well done. Uh, some nice humour in there. Um, of course, Andrew Rex returning. Uh, Andrew Rex is really good. It means you get to see. Uh, uh, sexy, sultry uh, uh, Sarah Jane Smith again for a little bit. <laughs> um, Death of the Doctor, very good episode. Uh, and may I say to all the fans out there who were complaining about uh, those few words that were mentioned, up yours, get a life. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sorry, I happened to... Um, take a wander around some of the message boards when when all this was going down, and it's it's really bad. Um, sometimes I feel we've lost touch with with our, the Doctor Who universe when we take things so literally. Um, and the sheer fact is that that, that you know, Russell T Davis has done it, and he, he continues to do it, and he baits you every time, and you fall for it. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's the doctor being the doctor. Uh, he's never. You never know whether the man's giving us real age, anyway. Uh, well, but really good it. episode. Um, unfortunately, um, Sarah Jane Smith has aged well. Joe Grant, not so much. <laughs> uh, I was just going to bring the, before Mike jumps in with the question. I was going to say, uh, Joe Grant. What did you think having her back in the fold, as it were? Right. Um, oh, sorry. Did you want to? Make a comment there, Mike. Oh, after you answered uh, Dave's question, there I was going to ask something. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was great having her in there, but yeah, again, she's. I mean, just, it was so easy to slip back into the character. I didn't really see much of the character there, um, and nothing recognizable facially. Uh, <laughs> she had a anyway. car accident, by the way. It was. It's not all. Well, um, no, the the car accident was actually prior to Doctor Who. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, but uh, anyway, some people just don't have age gracefully and have have work done. And so yes, Louise Jamison makes uh, has 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 made comment on it, not naming any names, but she's made comment on. Yes. Anyway, moving on. I may have just landed no. her in it. <laughs> Let's hear, hear Mike's question to you on it. Yes, Mike. Yeah, with that two-parter, Death of the Doctor, what did you think about uh, Russell T. Davies writing for what is arguably Stephen Moffat's version of the Doctor? With Matt uh, Smith? You can't tell any difference. Um, so whether there's truth in there, and I don't think there is, uh, that you don't write for the actor or the incarnation, you just write the Doctor. I don't believe that for a second. Um, because each Doctor has different character traits. I'm sorry, but they do. Um, the Sixth Doctor and the Seventh Doctor are completely different characters. Um, they have their atoms and everything, neurons scattered and reassembled in a completely different pattern. You are essentially writing for a different character called the Doctor, 
and they are the same person, but uh, they operate differently. Um, so yeah, uh, but he he writes from very well. It, it, there was you know no hiccup, no bump, no oh I don't think Moffat would have written them like that. He was just you know the doctor. Okay, well let, let's uh, we we've got to move on because we yeah, we're, me, we're just trying to find yours. Go on. Yeah. Uh, Empty Planet. Quite a good episode. Bit predictable, uh, but fun anyway. Uh, robots very well done. Um, Lost in Time. Uh, quite a neat little episode. Uh, quite well handled, I think. Um, again, it's one of those things you you wonder whether that uh, whether those characters are going to the shopkeeper is going to show up again, or the parrot at least. Uh, goodbye, Sarah Jane Smith. Um, <laughs> good. Um, I guess it's another one of those. Oh, Sarah Jane's gone. Sarah Jane's going away. Sarah Jane's disappeared. Episodes, uh, but still good. I don't get that. Uh, I don't think we had a good series finale this year. Um, like we've had in previous years, you know, there wasn't that penultimate episode like we've had before. There was, it was a good, good solid series, but nothing that really stood out hugely. Uh, well, I like All the right. one where they, were, where they split up in different time zones. It's that, right. I didn't think Shopkeeper was very good. The, the thing that held it together wasn't there, but it was nice right. to see uh, the other two actors. And the, there was the one with the, the Earth that was abandoned. It's nice to see the other two young actors come into their own. Okay, we'll right. move along quickly. Um, uh, episode um, 74, I'm just putting some text in there for the guys. And uh, it was about when dinosaurs rule the off box office, and I'll just play this clip. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butt. A Steven Spielberg film. This is a feeling all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Go! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. Sixty-five million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Okay, um, I'm trying to just remember what some of the other things that we were that talked about that. We uh, talked about uh, Primeval, we talked obviously about Jurassic Park, the episode of Sliders that was mentioned it. We mentioned, um, which Doctor Who was it that we mentioned, Mike? Um, Invasions of the Dinosaurs. Invasions. Invasions of the Dinosaurs. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. You also, you also had a, a, another grand argument with, with our sceptical about <laughs> the title of the show, Um Again, I want to reiterate to people that Dave and I are just two guys putting together a show every week and doing the best we can. And we try to come up with a title that entices people to show up 
for the couple of hours that we do the show. It's not meant as a literal uh, topic where we stick to the, the, the absolute word of it. Uh, it's just meant to engage you and bring you in. So uh, arguments as to, uh, oh, well, we can't say this because it's not box office, it's, it was on TV. Um, just just tick me off, that's all. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, love that. Uh, every time I hear that trailer, it just reminds me of when I saw it and seeing, I mean, I was I always had a love for dinosaurs when I was a kid. Uh, my best friend was huge into dinosaurs, knew all the fascinating facts about them, so it made it even better because he could, you know, if you saw something on the screen, he'd tell you all about it. Um, and so to see these dinosaurs no longer in in, in plasticine and in, in, in stop motion or, or claymation, uh, to see them look like they would almost, like you would imagine them actually moving like real creatures, just Oh, awesome. Um, nothing really improved on that until, of course, the Walking with Dinosaurs uh, uh, series came out. And, yeah. and, and we uh, we actually own that on DVD. It is fabulous. Um, and it's it's not necessarily also a doc. I mean, yes, it's a documentary as, as far as it explores these things, but they create some storyline to the, the creatures that you're following. Um, so there's almost little stories in there as well, um, and it's great. Uh, I love dinosaurs, and uh, except for maybe Godzilla, uh, not hugely fond of Godzilla because I yeah. don't know. How many times think, can you destroy Tokyo in one movie? Uh, I, I think that was one of the episodes you were really sorry to miss, wasn't it? Because it was. I think it was one of your suggestions out of our little list that we'd prepared that you right i think it was actually your idea but i'm like oh yeah i'm 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 all up on that one i'm all up in them dinosaurs um but yeah it's i mean jurassic park's got to be the pinnacle i think of of dinosaur related anything tv uh movies books anything uh to, to basically be able to see them in an environment that, that that first scene where they they come out onto the 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 plains the, mm. and you see the dinosaurs and wading through the water and 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 reaching up and grabbing uh, food off trees you're, you're seeing yeah. them doing things that that you know scientists have said that they can do whatever and and it's great it's it's fabulous um, love it yeah I mean I, and I, I, I going to say. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing I remember being critical about the film was it came out here in the UK as age 12 and I thought those um, uh, raptors or what they were called the um, velociraptors the velociraptors were really scary I mean I would have thought that it should have you know been a slightly higher age grouping than that but uh, again any any thoughts on that one before we move Mike uh, none in particular Okay, well, let's move. Uh, there was um, a commentary of the Runaway Bride between that. Then we're up to now the 5th of December, so we're, we're pretty much three-quarters of the way through, guys. Uh, episode 75, Sci-Fi and Fantasy Role Models. And uh, I'll play a clip of one of my favourites here, uh, because amongst these was, um, uh, I thought, the guy from Quantum Leap is a role model. You're arriving at one of the 
time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett steps into the Quantum Leap Accelerator. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. So Ian leaps back into the cult of the collective to write what Yay! went wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's anything <laughs> writing what you did while I was gone. Ooh, did I say that out loud? Yes. Uh, Wonder um, Woman must be another one there that you'd like. What else do we do? Um, Captain Scarlet, Dark Angel, Harry Potter, Highlander, Sarah Jane Adventures again, Flash. Um, I think those are about the main ones we did. Gandalf. Right. I mean, the, the Doctor's going to be a big one. Um, for me, I mean, it's it's one of those things, one of the reasons why the show, I think, has stayed with me for so long is because of the character of the Doctor. I mean, yes, he... I mean, they're right, they're right when you look at him, that he does use his companions to um, some degree. But there's still that... Uh, that part of the Doctor that you just sit there and go, yeah, if I could be him. Um, again, of course, there was arguments over what the topic meant, but... Um, don't care. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it seems like I'm picking on somebody, and I probably am, but he, he knows it's all well-intended. Um, love you, man. Really, love you. Especially when you talk with that sexy voice. Uh <laughs> Moving on, um, I'd have to agree with you on on um, Sam Beckett. That it's one of those things that you, when you think about the guy, his he went out there, he took a leap of faith, as it were, and uh, and and stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished. When he arrived, of course, in, in the first episode, his brain was Swiss cheese and was pretty much throughout the rest of the show, uh, aside from small details that he managed to remember. And, but he managed to retain the essential part of who he was, regardless of the fact that, you know, that his memory was intact or not. He had a moral base that you could only just admire. Um, it was just fabulous, you know. No matter where he went, he he had to set this right, and he wouldn't cut corners. He would always, you know, take on the difficult assignment, and and yeah, always admired um, Sam Beckett. Plus, I love Scott Bakula. He brought that character to life, and so you know, without the actor behind it, yeah, uh, making it believable, it just doesn't work. I mean, I love the the uh, the Don Quixote one that he did, and uh, another one where he, he played a pool room uh, guy whose his, his granddaughter was going to lose the pool room, and uh, there were so right. many classic ones. Uh, what yeah. else was there uh, from that, Mike? Oh, sorry. 
No, go ahead. What, from the quantum leap discussion? Uh, uh, yeah, from the, well, not just from that. Or just from the, the discussion can, overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember any others that we, we, we picked on as being, uh, you know, strong contenders as ones? I remember we were trying to pick someone from the Star Trek universe who could fit this topic, but I can't remember who we chose. Uh, no, I can't really, actually. I, I, I'd pick Data. Yeah, because yeah. When, when when you look at Data, he is really he's always trying to aspire to be human, and he always manages to portray the ultimate trait of what we really should be. Um, and he yeah. gives you that window onto uh, how human beings are and the way they act and react, and. It is really uh, a great role model and, and, and someone to sit there and watch, basically. Um, because you can really see how we we should be. You know, it's like these things that we just do that, that you know, well, it's just it's how we do things. But it doesn't really make sense. Um, and, and, and Data shows that off and brings that out and says, uh, you know, yeah, I remember as well on the show I was very uh, pushing for um, uh, Duncan McLeod on the Highlander TV series because uh, although in his past he's uh, done lots of things, uh, when he's talking to the young uh, guy Richie, um, you know, he tells him that you know, I, you know, I've learnt better, and he uh, to the point where actually Richie gets to the point where he's saying. You know everything, man. You know it's just no joke. I can't, I can't live my life making mistakes because you've done it all. Um, and uh, and the, the young boy rebels at some point, and of course comes back to find out that Mac is uh, really, um, you know, uh, could have been in the mentor. Well, I think it was mentioned in the mentor one, but really uh, excellent. But uh, again, I think we need to move ourselves along uh, mm-hmm. now. So we're up to. Um, Episode 73, 12 December, so we're nearly done. And I'll play another clip, and this is a Merlin Series 3 review. In a land of myth and a time of magic, the destiny of a great kingdom rests on the shoulders of a young boy. His name, Merlin. I mean, I think it really has hit its stride, Merlin, in Series 3, but we want oh, yeah. to know what you thought, Ian. Yes, um, definitely. I mean, there was a, a few fun things in in, in the series. Um, Goblin's Gold was yeah. a, bit of, a bit of fun. But the, the important thing about Goblin's Gold was it gave um, Richard... Uh, what's his name now? I'm ah. looking for... Uh, Curtis. Richard Curtis. Gaius, you mean? Richard Wilson. Wilson, Wilson. Yeah, Richard Wilson, his Gaius. It gave him a chance to step out of, of, of the Gaius character and, and, and do something a bit fun. 
which I always appreciate writers doing, uh, giving giving their characters a bit of a break, giving their actors a bit of fun, a bit of uh, stretching. Uh, of course, the, uh, the Tears of the Pendragon, in a way, I was a bit disappointed. It kind of set things... Yeah, on a downward, yeah. Well, it it, it, it took where we finished last season uh, series and uh, kind of took us along and then kind of just dropped us back to what we all knew um yeah that the that that the Mor- the morgana is is bad and da 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 may it reveal a few things but um uh, anyway moving on uh, of course we uh get to meet Gwaine. um this will 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 come to pass that uh that uh, he will actually factor into things uh the the crystal cave is uh, a Pretty good episode. I um rather fond yeah. of it. Rather fond of it. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's been a bit of a mix in this. You know, some fun episodes, which you've got to have. You've got to have that bit of a break because uh, if you keep on full force, then you end up burning yourselves out. Uh, I'm gonna skip all the way to 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 the end. Um, Not too far. Which the final. Right. Uh, yeah, the coming of Arthur part one and two. It's it really kind of puts it puts things uh in a good place for the series. It finally gets rid of the fact that you know now everybody knows Morgana is evil and and uh Morgos, is she dead? Is she really dead? Well, you know, Ooh, you know, I hope, you know, not. I hope not. Amelia Fox in armor. armor. <laughs> Oh dear! Um, and finally, some movement on on the uh, the shipping front of of, of uh, Arthur and uh, and uh, Guinevere. Yeah. Uh, finally, that's moving on some, and it's and it's going at a good pace and a good um, as far as what this set themselves up. Because a lot of people complained at the beginning. They're like, "Well, how can you have uh, Guinevere being?" Um, a serving girl. That's just not right. That's not going to work. Yeah, I'm not going to mention the fact that people were talking about the fact that she was black. It's like, really? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we get mentions of the round table and uh, having Gwen, Leon, um, Percival, Lancelot. You know, the round table really, itself. Yeah. You're really seeing uh, the formation of the whole mythology coming around now, um, and it just remains really for for Arthur to get out from under Uther, and and for the magic to take its um, rightful place in the kingdom. Uh, but you know, long may that. In a way, I want it to take a while because I like the show. And well, I think they've already Arthur. agreed. They've already agreed there's going to be a series four and five. I think. Right. I think they've signed right. up for two more series. Yeah, as, as, as long as there's a, a suitable amount of uh, um, shirt taking off by uh, um, by Bradley James, then I'm not concerned in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did have the opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they did. Thank goodness. Um, one thing I, I, I did not realize until I'd seen, uh, I think it was a bit of a clip for, for Red Nose Day, uh, 
or was it? Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, some clip I saw. I didn't realize Colin Morgan um, had such a uh, a deep brogue. <laughs> it, it just adds to the fact that you know, wow, um, he plays that part really, really well. Um, he buries his accent quite deep. And, and just to mention, of course, from... he was on Doctor Who in the episode mm-hmm. Midnight. It was the young boy on the uh, on the coach journey of the whatever right. the overland journey in uh, Midnight. Yes, um, and I've heard tell that uh, that uh, Anthony Head uh, believes that that Colin should have had an award for this show by now, and it's and it's pitiful that he hasn't, and, and I'd agree. Um, oh, one other thing to say on it: um, Can we have a return of Warwick Davis, please? Uh, because that was dead good. Which uh, part? Yeah. Um, it was. Oh, um, where they go uh, on their that quest? Oh, across the bridge. Yeah, the quest yes. one. Yeah. Yes, the quest one, and uh, with him at the at the bridge. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, more Warwick Davis, please. Next next uh, series. Yes, please use him again. All right, moving on. Well, well let, let's. Unless, my... unless Mike has something to say. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. No, I have nothing to say here. Uh, which one was that called? The 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 quest was it? Um, let's see. Uh, I have the phoenix. Uh, I have the phoenix. That's that's what it was. Arthur goes on quest to retrieve the golden trident from the Fisher King's realm. Let me see if I've got uh, that clip. Uh, I can't remember. That's the guy on it. But let's listen. Who is it that wishes to cross my bridge? Knight. On a quest to find the trident of the Fisher King. Then you must be courage. No, I'm Prince Arthur of Camelot. I'm Gretir. I have to say, you're not as short as I thought you'd be. Before I let you pass, I'll give you a little advice. As courage, there are two more things you'll need to complete your quest. Strength and magic. I don't condone the use of magic. You'd be wise not to dismiss it so freely. The rules in the land that you're heading to are quite different to those in the world that you know. Thank you for your help. A very beautiful bracelet. It was a gift from someone very dear to me. I hoped it would bring me good fortune. Did she now? I'm very thoughtful of her. (laughs) That's the guy. Yep, that's the one. So, lovely how he said he needed to have magic to proceed. Very nice giveaway there for the fact that Merlin shows up not too long later. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, uh, more more Warwick Davis, please. Yes. Anyway, moving swiftly onward. Yeah, I think it was okay to move on, Mike. Anything to add to that particular episode we did about Merlin? 
Yeah, we can move on. Okay, um, we're pretty much up to date now, 19th of uh, December. Uh, now, this was the first part. We did a two-part one on, and uh, now it's called Doctor Who, but it's uh, The Doctor, really. This is your life. But uh, for all those search engines out there, we know you love the Cotton Collective, so we put Doctor Who, This is Your Life. And we concentrated on the first episode, and this was just on TV appearances, and... Uh, just give uh, the very first clip that I actually played on the show, which was uh, the first Doctor uh, leaving Susan behind. Listen, Susan, please. I've double-locked the doors. You can't get in. Now move back, child, where I can see you. During all the years, I've been taking care of you. You and the town have been taking care of me. Grandfather, I belong with you. Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild, and always will be. But now, you're a woman too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots, and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David. Enough with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. So again, uh, Ian, I don't know how whether you'd actually caught up to this episode in your listening back. Uh, are we up to you? This one, did you get uh, up to or not? I know I've been listening to your most recent one with the uh, the non-televised stuff, which is of more interest to me because I'm so. Um, uh, well, 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 if you want, we can double up. Yes, that's yes. episode uh, seventy-nine, which we did on the second of January, and then we'll go back to. Perhaps the Christmas Carol, uh, just to finish off with, uh, right. and uh, that might be a nice way of doing it. Um, so, f- for you, we uh, allow you to mix the two up, uh, as long as you can I at mean, least define it. In a way, it's it's one of those things I try. I mean, I would love to have had the amount of time to uh, to have purchased and read and listened to all the stuff that's out there. On the Doctor, um, but no, I just steal from everybody else that comes on the show. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's been, that's been said on TV, etc., uh, that we either uh, that is actually written lore and stuff that we read into, uh, for example, that line in Planet of Fire. Um, it's uh, there's a certain point where the, I, I think you can only know, or should only know, a certain amount about the Doctor, um, and the rest should be kind of ambiguous and and, and hidden. Um, but you all did very well. <laughs> You've all done very well. Well, let, um, let me 
let me play a little clip from this because um, I didn't, I couldn't play much of it on the show. Uh, it's right. uh, from one of the uh, Big Finish audios, and it's uh, your doctor, of course. Yes. Who else would I play with you here? A little bit of him singing. I'm the very model of a Gallifrey and Buccaneer. I've information on all things a Gallifrey and Hell's Monster. I've linked it to the Matrix Lewis Excitonic Circuitry. I understand dimensional and relative chronometry. I'm very well acquainted too with matters of the capital. I'll give you a verse and chapter on Panopticonian protocol. I've been into the death zone and I played the game of Rassilon. Rassilon? 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 Aha! With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of hassle from. With pestilential monsters that we got a lot of hassle from. With pestilential monsters that we got a lot of hassle from. With pestilential monsters that we got a lot of hassle hassle from. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard many of the audio ones. No. Um, to anyone who thinks that's particularly stupid, try singing it. <laughs> it then you'll be really... patting Colin Baker on the back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the real version is not easy to sing, and that's not easy to sing either. Uh, he got an actual part on a in a, a, a musical production of Gilbert and Sullivan on mm. the hearing of that. But it's uh, just to remind people, it's uh, that's Colin Baker, Dot Who, and the Pirates are the last that lost a sailor from a Big Finish, and it's number forty three in the Big Finish range. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of information out there on the Doctor, whether it's canon or not. Um, and, and I suppose speculation and, and these little hints at at uh, things that we have not seen on screen uh, are, are a good thing. It, 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 there's only so many times you can watch an episode over and over again before you can sit there and start conjecturing and, 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 and hypothesizing um, about things that have happened in between and where the Doctor really came from and where he got the name of the Doctor. And, you know, um, all of these things are, are, are discussed in, in, in both of the shows, uh, the things that we know and the things that we've found out through um, alternate media, uh, whether it be... Um, the big Finnish productions, uh, any of the BBC productions, um, like Scream of the Shalka, um, the Telos publications, uh, the Missing Adventures, the New Adventures. There's a lot of information out there, and it's. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, you take the things that make sense to you, um, because there are so many contradictions. I mean, Doctor Who's full of them. I mean, uh, take, for example, um, the episode that we're about to talk about next, uh, The Christmas Carol, uh, completely ignores uh, some you know, previous canon. So, you know, what do you do? You either sit there and complain about it, or you just take it as an anomaly. Uh, something different happened. We read things into it, and we come up with our own reasoning. And some people end up putting it down on paper and uh, coming up with new theories. Uh, one of the wonderful things that I've seen, uh, and you can find it on YouTube, there is a uh, somebody did some episode splicing uh, and, and editing, and came up with a logical point, jump-off point for time crash for uh, the Fifth Doctor. And it's rather well done. Um, they show you it from his side rather than from uh, the Tenth Doctor's side. 
And so if you've got a chance to look at up, I don't have the the URL handy. Um, but just look up Time Crash, uh, and, and you'll find it. And it's it's very well done. And I think you know, I I think that it it just fits in perfectly. Um, Right. Yeah. Well, just be, before we move off this uh, this two part that we're dealing with together here for your benefit, um, you know the, um, the the two episodes about uh, episode seventy seven and episode seventy nine, uh, we're doing this uh, as a live. It's a studio show, but we're doing it on Torchview Live because we're having trouble with Skype. And uh, before we start to record on Skype, you're actually going to pay me a little bit of a compliment about uh, the second part of This Is Your Life continued. If you can remember, I'll allow you to say it. <laughs> oh, it was about the. Um, um, it was a, it was a nice the smooth episode. move there, sir, at the at the beginning, um, pulling people in by by uh, bringing up the, the the Christmas episode, and kind of rounding off that first episode while pulling people into the second episode by saying, you know, uh, did we learn anything new in in the Christmas Carol? Uh, that we didn't know before about the Doctor. And there were a few things in there as well. Uh, things we didn't know about the Sonic Screwdriver, uh, about the... the uh, like He's married, another marriage. Yeah, a meeting, marriage. Um, meeting Einstein. Come on, uh, what else was the mic? Um, uh, he met somebody else, Frank. Frank Sinatra, seeing the duet with Frank Sinatra. And there was also the bit where towards the beginning of the episode as responding to what Sardik was saying about about you know Abigail not being important to the doctor was saying in 900 years of of travel in space and time he's never met a single person who's never been important <laughs> yeah uh, uh, one little bit when i mentioned was that, uh, when he said he, he was with father christmas as well i think he said he called father christmas or as i know him colin i was sure he was going to say bob <laughs> Black Aller, and I call Father Christmas Bob. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's an apt time to move on to jumping back one episode to episode 78, Christmas Carol, and I'll just play one little clip. Uh, well, it's a shot, but it's a bit about the shark in the room. Why are you recording this? Did you pay attention at school, Catherine? Sorry, what? Because you're not paying attention now. Now I remember. Now, Doctor, you must. Doctor, are you sure? Trust me. Okay. Oi, eyes on the tie. Look at me. I wear it and I don't care. Trust me. Yeah. Yes. That's why it's cool. Hello, fishy. Let's see. Interesting. Crystalline fog, eh? Maybe carrying a tiny electrical charge. Is that how you fly, little fishy? What is it? What kind? Can I see? Just stay there a moment. Is it big? Nah. Just a little one. So, little fella, what do you eat? How little? Um, Can I come out? No, no. Maybe just wait there for a moment. Big colour. What's happening? Well, concentrating on the passes, you've definitely got a story of your own now. All 
so I got a good look at the fish and I think I understand how the fog works, which is going to help me land a spaceship in the future and save a lot of lives. And I better get some very interesting readings off my sonic screwdriver when I get it back from the shark in your bedroom. There's a shark in my bedroom. Oh, fine. Focus on that. Okay, we want to hear your thoughts on A Christmas Carol, then, Ian. I liked it. Um, probably as far as I'm willing to go on that. Um, don't understand the hype. Uh, yeah. See, I, 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 I try not to, but of course, you know, you read reviews and you read people's messages and tweets and stuff like that. And, and I see... Um, Stephen Moffat getting away with basically the same things that, that, that Russell T. Davies did, but people ignoring it outright. Um, flying shark, with, you know, and the doctor on a carriage hooked up to it. Sorry, what? Um, people had problems with uh, robots carrying the doctor up to the top of the ship just because they had halos on and it might have looked slightly religious. Um, but had no problem with a flying shark. Um with a carriage attached to it. No, not a problem with that at all. Um, there was no, there was some very clever stuff in this. The the whole film thing, even though I saw it coming, uh, where the Doctor disappeared and appeared in in the film that uh, Kazran was watching, um, was slightly unnerved by the glossing over of the fact that uh, that whatever her name was, uh, the singing lady. See, that's how memorable it was. Uh, oh, dies at the end. Abigail. Uh, Abigail. It's like, ah, she's dead. Who cares? Yeah, we'll just gloss over that point. <laughs> Everybody yeah, they didn't die. a downer, did they? Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, then why bother doing it? it? Basically, it's just like, well, we're just not going to mention that. That's the elephant in the corner, is the fact that Abigail dies. Um, and didn't need to, really. Uh, and the doctor basically killed her uh, in order to turn Kazran around, which he almost didn't do anyway. So, yeah, um, quite a bizarre episode when you look at it that way. It all means, it's all a matter of how you look at it. Uh, can, I, can I ask, yeah. have you actually had a chance to listen back to the, the rest of the Colton's thoughts on that one yet? Or that yeah, one you've not yeah. got back up to? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing that bugs me is the amount of people who think this is great and one of the best Christmas episodes ever. Um, it looked lovely, uh, I'm going to say, and Michael Gambon, fabulous. Uh, but those things, the, the, the whole Marilyn Monroe thing was just stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and how sick am I of the TARDIS phone? Uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter will know that I've made mention of this. Who's going to be calling next? Commissioner Gordon? Hello, is this Batman? No, it's the Doctor. Well, you'll do. Um, I'm... I hate the TARDIS phone. Um, people should not be able to call the Doctor for help like that. Um, never. Um, the most stupid invention since the psychic paper. Uh, actually, the psychic paper is actually pretty good. Uh, because it helps. Of course, it didn't work in this episode. It didn't work in this episode, of course. No, which it was a bit of a laugh. That um, nothing. I mean, I made mention of it uh, before. As far as things we didn't previously know, um, whether it was true that, um, that that's why it did it, or maybe maybe the psychic paper has has a sense of humor and it was just being a cheeky thug. I don't know. Um, 
but good. I mean, it was it was a good as far as a Doctor Who episode that you sit down and enjoy. Uh, it was fine. If you want me to be critical of it, then my criticisms are: um, here's Stephen Moffat doing exactly the same things that Russell D. Davis did in Voyage of the Damned, and nobody gives a rat's arse. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I, if you listen back, oh, well, you have listened back. I mean, I, I made the comparison with the, you know, uh, Voyage of the Damned uh, because uh, we had a ship crashing into a planet. We had a body who didn't care whether people lived or died. Uh, we had the sacrifice of the main uh, woman companion, for want of a better word, in the episode. Um, there's lots of, I mean, I didn't like the shark thing, but what I did, I did admire. The, I mean, I, I thought it was superbly done. I thought it was very well crafted. I just, it's just not what I want. I don't really want Christmas right. specials. Uh, and let's just find out, Mike. Can you remember what the overall thought of was in the room, and any thoughts of your own to add? Well, there was. Well, I remember Darth surprised a lot, lot of us by saying that he that he, <laughs> <laughs> he loved it. Yeah, he loved it. With with no second, with no hesitation, he loved the episode all the way through. Um, just uh, and, and it was it was a pretty much overall. There's a lot to admire about it. Positive towards the episode was that's pretty much it was positive towards the episode with most of the Colton uh, Collective. Yeah, I mean the production values were superb. I mean, every, uh, the craft that had gone into it, you can't but admire. And I've got a feeling that um, I, w- I will grow to like this more. Uh, and he, even my son, I thought my son wouldn't have liked it because of that shark thing. But he said he he could pass that off, saying, "Well, the doctor's doing something silly. It's not the although obviously the writer's written it. It's not the storyline that's silly. It's the doctor having a silly moment within the story." So he he could he could carry it off for that. Well, look, I, I think um, unless you've got anything more pressing to say about that, Ian, what I'd like to do is uh, wrap this up uh, fairly shortly, and by doing by playing the preview trailer that was the end of uh, the series six coming up, and, and just get from both of you your thoughts and excitements about that, and then we'll just right. do a quick advert at the end uh, of the episodes. Yet to come. So here's a little clip. Uh, ooh, 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 before you say that, uh, just yeah. one more thing to wrap up on this episode. Uh, yeah. Belinovich, limitation effect. Um, I can just understand you ignoring um, Wardrin Undead, um, but ignoring Father's Day, that's another matter. Stephen Moffat, what were you thinking? Um, the universe could have gone, should have gone kaboom when the two of them touched. Well, well, I'll just <coughs> mention that uh, I was listening earlier to um, uh, who David Huey, Who on Who with his son, and his son was saying uh, um, he 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 rationalised that by in Father's Day, um, the whole situation was more sensitive because they were already in a paradox because um, there were two um, there were two um, uh, roses there and Rose had stopped her father from dying so they were already in a paradox situation and everything was very fragile and he was worried about them breaking in, into the church those those creatures so um, but the, but the thing is you can, yeah but, this, no, this you, that, you, why don't you <laughs> yeah right okay let's um, wrap up I'm going to play the preview trailer for series 6 I've been running. Faster than I've ever run. Now it's time for me to stop. 
I'm going to need a SWAT team ready to mobilize street level maps covering all of Florida, a pot of coffee, 12 jammy dodgers, and a fez. Somewhere different, somewhere brand new. I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. We've been recruited. Recruited by who? You're going to have to trust us this time. You have to do this, and you can't have quiet. First of all, Ian, tell us about your Twitter picture. <laughs> well, at least it's changed just uh, just uh, recently. So, uh, but for those of you who've been following me on Twitter, yes, um, <laughs> River Song Naked from uh, um, at least they're up. Uh, from there down, we don't know, but uh, uh, looks good to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, things to love in the trailer, uh, of course. River Song returning. Um, it, a naked, B in tight pants, uh, C with a big gun. Um, <laughs> uh, the doctor with a beard. Uh, the um, especially the Roswell alien, the the the, the Roswell grey at the end. Mm-hmm. Whoa, was that scary? Uh, wasn't expecting that. Um, was awesome. Uh, things to hate in this. Could we get off this whole hat thing? Uh, I'm sick of it. Uh, oh, oh, and I need a fez. Oh, I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. Shut up. Um, we get it. You, you, you've you been known to wear a hat occasionally, and you think bow ties are cool. Can we move on? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's looking good so far. Uh, Rory's in it. Yay, Rory! Um, and uh, and uh, River Song. Uh, we saw a nude, though, didn't we? That was the one that threw yes. me a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say through. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, it was a good shot, that. Uh, good shot. Uh, I doubt we'll see any more than that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we didn't see enough of John Barrowman in the, the nude, so uh, I doubt we're going to see <laughs> Alex Kingston in the nude. I said the ood. Oh, the ood. Oh, yeah, ood. Yeah, nude. Ood. Ood. Nude ood. Yes. Green-eyed ood. He's just jealous of River Song. Uh. <laughs> Mike, let's go to Mike quick. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, it, as I was saying back on, on that episode, we were discussing it. If the, the whole premise of promos like this is to get us excited for what they're promoting, then it's done its job spectacularly. I am very much excited for series for series six, or as Moffat has jokingly called it, uh, series Otter or series Kazreen. And the only other thing I'll point out is uh, the fact that this trailer covers the first three episodes of series six, which means the opening two-parter and I believe Neil Gaiman's story. And that's as far into the series as this trailer goes. And that there's just a lot there to pick apart. Yeah, and of course we're going to have um, only six episodes before we come to... Is it is it six and then seven? So we're going to have a, a mid-season climax as well, aren't we? Right. Uh, first half will be six episodes, and then coming back in the fall with the last seven. 
and the and also Stephen Moffat has said that uh, the Riverstone story arc will you know will go somewhere. It's not they're not going to tease us forever with that one. Yeah, he's definitively said that we will find out who River Song is this series. Excellent. Well, uh, I think uh, that's about a wrap in terms of uh, yeah. going over things. I just want to do uh, a little bit of promotion and adverts. Remember that this show, if you've uh, downloaded it from uh, iTunes or from our uh, Facebook fan page, the Colton Collective podcast fan page, or indeed from Colton.com, our Colton Chronicles website, uh, you'll know that... Um, we do this on Torch You, Torch ID 54821, 2pm Eastern Standard Time, uh, every Sunday. On the 9th, Sunday the 9th, we're going to be doing our review of the sci-fi year that's just happened, 2010. And I should just mention, I was looking that in the UK, the uh, National Television Awards, um, there's some exciting uh, things happening there because uh, we've got uh, Doctor Who, uh, well actually I should say Matt Smith, and we've got uh, Cumberbatch from Sherlock uh, and uh, uh, Philip Glenister from uh, Ashes to Ashes all up against one another in the possible awards and the awards for uh, this is the British uh, National Television Awards the O2 Arena they will be on Wednesday the 26th of January and um, so a lot to play for and poor Glenister might just get shoved out again as he did uh, before, but I hope not. Um, now, Ian, do you want to just put out a little bit of a, a call for interest to what will possibly be our 16th of January show, our explicit show, Misfit? Yes, um, a show that I've been turned on to by our very own Dara Skeptical is the show Misfits. Uh, it's a BBC show uh, centering around a bunch of Ah, misfits. Uh, actually, they're all, they're all on community service. Uh, when there's a strange uh, storm, and they all get uh, some superpowers. Uh, think of it like heroes, but a little more dirty, a little more gritty, uh, and with some wanking going on. Uh, <laughs> Lock yes, comedy. it's good. It's going to be an explicit show, folks, uh, coming up on the 16th. Um, if you have seen the show, if you love the show, uh, please show up and uh, try and get on audio if you can. Uh, myself and Dar Skeptical will be weighing in with our opinions on how the show is moving along. Uh, it has reportedly, even though it, uh, has, it only just finished its uh, second series, has uh, been picked up for a third uh, so reportedly doing quite well, and uh, we'd love to see how it all it all works out in the end. Um, it seems to be progressing rather nicely. I've got two more episodes to watch before our show on the 16th, so if you're a little behind it and you think, oh, I don't know, uh, I haven't really seen enough of it, try and get those episodes down before, uh, before the 16th, and uh, we will see you there at the Colton Collective at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 16th of January. Uh, Dog Show ID 54821. How'd I do? Brilliant. And that would be <laughs> one that I won't be on. Uh, not because uh, <laughs> it's explicit and I'm too young, but uh, I'm attending a family event. And then on the 23rd of January, we're going to be doing Spaceship's Top 10. And before there's any controversy about it, uh, that will include things like the Deep Space Nine space station, uh, things that can travel, even though they may not always do so. So, um, right. 
that's about it. I think uh, yeah. we want Mike to thank uh, Ian for returning to the fold. And uh, anything to add, Mike, before I give Ian, as he always likes to have, the last word? Well, I'm just it's good to have you back, Ian. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hello. Hello. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, yes, it is. It's good to be back at the chair, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you all on Sunday. So, uh, we'll be, of course, reviewing our sci-fi year at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Talk show ID 54821. Join us for episode 80 of the Coltham Collective podcast as we look back on the year that was 2010 and everything that happened, including Inception. If it really before, actually happened. <laughs> and before I play the outro, I think uh, we each all ought to say, uh, from me, Dave AC, Happy New Year. And from me, Ian, the Sixth Doctor, Happy New Year, everybody. And from me, Randall Thor, Happy New Year, everyone. And... Wrong. Fine. Bye. And it's good night from Mr. Randall Thor. And it's good night from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from the lad who likes to have the last word every time. It's goodbye from him. Goodbye! <laughs>